This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. If we're going to preach a message of salvation, uh, that deliverance is possible, while we don't want to minimize uh, evil or, or you know, dismiss it or something as a misunderstanding or something of this kind, it is a very terrible thing. We also need to say that there is an answer, um, that, that God deals with this. Now, how does God deal with this? Well, there are two possibilities. You know, fundamental positive. Before we actually, before we look at what he actually did, look at what the options are or were. On the one hand, God could have said, "Oh, don't worry about it. Just forget it. You know, wipe the slate clean. Not blame anybody. Not um, uh, demand anything from anybody. Just, a, just, just get rid of the problem." And just sweep it out, sweep it out, sweep it away. The trouble with that, though, is that if if you accept that idea, if you think that's what God should have done, I mean, it's not a question of whether He has done it or not. But let's say you you uh, you think that that would be the answer. The difficulty there is that someone who does that is not really taking what you have done wrong. Seriously, um, I mean, this is this happens in in human life. You see, if somebody steps on your toe, for instance, um, you know, you're probably going to think, well, in the bigger picture, uh, this is not the worst thing anyone could have done, and they probably did it accidentally. And so you say, oh, don't worry about it, you know, and you say this in order to minimize the importance of what has happened. And maybe rightly so. I mean, I'm not suggesting this is wrong. But if God does this, you see, if God were to look at you and me and say, oh, well, I know you're a sinner and so on, yes, and that's, that's terrible and we don't like it, but don't worry about it. You know, I'll take care of that. You don't need to worry about this. That's really a way of saying you don't matter. Because your sin and my sin can't do anything to God. And therefore, you know, God basically doesn't care. He doesn't want to be bothered with you in your life. And so, you know, thinking like this, blaming him for everything, um, is really just a waste of time. God isn't interested. Now you may say, why am I saying this? Well, again, there are people in the world, I know people like this, who don't pray, or who don't pray for certain things, because they don't think they're important enough for God to be bothered with them. You know, I've had people say this to me. They said, "Well, I, you know, I'm not going to pray to God, you know, for my headache or something like this, because God's got a universe to run, and why should He be interested in me?" You see what I mean? Me and my little problems. I mean, surely we can live with that. And, um, 
uh, you know, I don't have to bother God with my, uh, with my needs. All right, that's, that's not necessary. Well, this is a kind of false humility. I mean, it's nice to say, you know, well, don't worry about me, Lord. You've got better things to do with your time. Um, you know, I mean, fair enough, if that's what the, the way you think. But you have to remember that, uh, if I can quote somebody, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, uh, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Um, I, I think I got that from Tim Tebow's face. And I, he, he, painted, he painted that on his cheeks. Anyhow, um, the, uh, but, but the thing is, if you take that line, if you take that logic, you know, God doesn't really care about you, how on earth do you explain the incarnation of the Son? You know, uh, and of course, if you can't do that, if you if you if you twist that, well, then the centerpiece of our salvation suddenly goes out the window because our salvation is not it's not really the love of God in some kind of abstract way. You know, uh, like you sort of telephone God, and um, that's called prayer, uh, and. Uh, say, Lord, you know, I've got a bit of a problem here. I've, I've just, you know, sinned and I'm going to go to hell and so on. Can you sort it out? And God says, oh, don't bother me with that. Um, you know, I've got, more, I've got more important things to do. There's an eruption on Jupiter or something and I need to sort that out. You know, come back some other time. Um, I mean, clearly that can't be right. All right, we don't, uh, we don't think like this. But we are also denying the importance and the nature of God's love for us that he did not hold back. You see, he gave the most precious thing that he has, which is his own son, who came into the world knowing that he had come to die for you and for me. Now, think about this for a minute. You see, the depth of this that God deals with human sin. God deals with our problems. God offers us his salvation, not just as a theory, uh, not just as a legal judgment. You know, we're not acquitted in the court of heaven um, or something like this, the way a judge might do, basically out of the goodness of his heart. We are saved by a God who became one of us, who lived our life, and who died uh, taking our sins upon him. Now, you see, we are so used to hearing this, and we are so overwhelmed by this, that a lot of things about it never really enter our consciousness. We aren't really thinking about them. I often think to myself, what would I do if I were God? And if you ask this question, you see, and try to see it from God's perspective, I mean, not that we can, of course, I mean, I know there are limitations here, but just, just 
think for a minute, you know, how you would react in those circumstances. I cannot for one minute think that I would have stirred myself either to come myself or to send my son into the world to save people. Uh, most likely, I would think, well, I made these people down there, you know, I gave them everything. Um, they should have done better, and they've just all they've done is rebel against me and do all the sorts of evil things. Let's wipe the slate clean. Gone. Finished. Don't want to have anything to do with them anymore. You know, that would be a much more understandable reaction. I often say to my students and congregations when I preach, be grateful that I am not God. Because if I were, you wouldn't be here. You know, do you really think I need to do this in eternity? I mean, I might put up with it for a week, but I mean forever? You know, that's a long time. You see what I mean? And, and I just want to put my feet up and enjoy my eternal rest in heaven. Uh, you know, I, I, I made the world in six days. And of course, you know the joke about this, that why did God make the world in only six days? The, to which the answer, uh, as the Chinese will tell you, is that well, once he made China, he left the rest up to them. Um, and they made the rest. But um, this, um, uh, you know, put yourself, try to think the way that God, you know, how God would think about this. Would you give the most important thing that you have um, for the sake of people who A, don't deserve it, B, don't really appreciate it or understand it, and C, you can live perfectly well without, you know. I mean, God doesn't need us, you know, filling up space, empty spaces in heaven. You see what I mean? It's not as if he's got to cut the price in order to fill the, the venue. Uh, you know, for the concert or something like that. I mean, we, we can't think like this. But for God to give his son, to make that kind of sacrifice, you see, shows that his providence, his, his relationship with us, his overriding sovereignty, is an engaged sovereignty. It's a committed sovereignty. It's not some sort of distant fatwa, you know, being handed down from some hidden source that we can't have any access to, but whom we have to obey. It is given by somebody who became one of us, uh, who lived our life, who took on himself our sin, and who died to pay the price for that. This is fundamental to our salvation. You see, our, this is an, an issue that can be discussed, uh, I know, ad infinitum, as of course it is, or has been. Uh, but you have to ask yourself, well, what exactly is the foundation of salvation? You see, we're, we're, is it obedience? Well, not mine or yours, no. And because I'm cut off from God, there's nothing I can do to alter this. 
I mean, anything I try to do is just going to make the situation worse. So you can't say that, you know, you, 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 you can't put it like that. So what is the cause? And of course, the Bible, as I say, John 3.16, tells us quite clearly it is God's love. God so loved the world. You see, he gave his son out of love. And this is the mystery. Because love is, the, at the, one and the same time, the most powerful force that exists. And also the most mysterious. Because love cannot, love does not make sense. Let's put it like that. I mean, why should God love sinful human beings? What have we given to him? What value do we have in his eyes? Well, of course, none. You know, I can't go to God and say, well, Lord, you know, you've got to save me because I'm such a great guy and anyway, you made me and this is why you made me like, you know, you made me for that purpose. So, and now you're trying to go back on the deal, you know, because I haven't really done exactly what you want or something like this. I mean, um, you know, you can't, you can't do that. God's love reaches out to the unlovable. And this, again, is essential for salvation. As the, as the Apostle Paul put it, it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us, the godly for the ungodly. Now, and he, he even says, you see, maybe for a good man somebody might die. Possible. But not for people who don't deserve it. Um, and you see the love, you see the love of God in this, because not only did he send his son to die for you and me, but he told his son to come back, bringing us in tow. See, we're not just saved here on earth for a year or two. We are saved in eternity. In other words, we are going to heaven to live with God forever, and we're just going to be cluttering up his house. You see, the, the sovereignty of God, my point here is that the sovereignty of God exists and is worked out, and this is our whole salvation that's part of this, in a context of love. And that this love is manifested first and foremost inside God himself. Because the Son of God came into the world, you see, to bring our salvation, to make our salvation real, not because he want, not because he, he had this in his mind, you know, to do. I mean, it wasn't out of, you see, we tend to think that God came, that the Son of God came into the world because he loved us. Well, yes, that's, that's not untrue. 
But the real reason why he came into the world, the first love of the son, is that he came into the world because he loved his father. And you read the Gospels, and this is what you read all the time. You know, I have come not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. You know, I and the Father are one. In John 17, when he prays his great high priestly prayer, Father, you know, uh, uh, glorify your name. Uh, you know, I came into the world. I came to do your will. Now it is time for me to go back to you. Give me back the glory that you, I had with you from eternity. Um, it's a dialogue with the Father. It's doing the will of the Father. And his love for us is, I don't know what word to use, it is, it is a, a love which flows out of that love. Because this is the great thing about love. Uh, you see, love is different from money. Not everybody understands this, but it is. not the same. Because if you have money, let's say you have $100, and you love somebody so much that you give them 50, you've only got 50 left. You know, there's a diminishing quantity, and there's only so much that can go round. But with love, there is no diminishing quantity. I mean, I can't say to you, you know, um, that because I love you, that therefore I haven't got that much love to spare for somebody else. You know, I mean, if I look at, say, Chuck here, sorry, Chuck, I'm going to use you because I know you and you don't mind. All right. If I use, say, Chuck, Chuck's high maintenance, you know, he needs a lot of love. All right. And my goodness, it takes a lot out of me, you know, just loving him. And I go home after having done that and thinking, oh, you know, I just, I, I just can't face anybody else. You know, I, I, like, it's just so exhausted me, this one person, that I haven't got time for anybody else. Now, there may be some, because I'm a limited, fallible human being, there may be some truth in this, you know, in, in one way. But, of course, it's not because, it's, it's because of, of physical fatigue. It's not because of love. It's not because there's a limit to my love or, or, or the love which God has given me. Because, of course, all of us in our lives have to love and have to love equally and with equal depth all kinds of people. I mean, we come into the world with a love for our parents. Built in, well, it's not, maybe not built in exactly, but I mean, that's the first love that we have to have. Do I love my father more than my mother? Well, no. You know, this is not a question I even think about. Then, of course, you know, you grew up, you have brothers and sisters, so you love them. Does this take away from your love for your parents? Well, no. Uh, you know, then you get married and you love your, your wife or your husband or whatever. Uh, does this destroy your love for your parents or, or take away from that? No. 
then you have children of your own. Again, you have love for them. Does this mean you love your spouse less than you did before? No. Um, you see, because love can expand and extend to new relationships without diminishing. And this is a vital, import, the important part of, of the salvation that God brings to us and why the love element is so important. Because we must not think of his grace as a kind of finite quantity of thing, you know, like a, a medicine or something like that, that's in danger of running out if it's given to too many people. You know what I mean? It's not like a vaccine that you, you have to sort of use carefully because otherwise <laughs> you won't have enough to go round. Um, it's a different sort of thing altogether. And, uh, and, and God's love... Uh, enables him to be our savior. It enables him to be our savior because it's first of all perfected in himself. That when Christ came to die on the cross to become sin for us, to take our sin upon him, to open the door of heaven, to make salvation possible for us, he was dying not for us, but for the Father. You know, in obedience to his Father, to fulfill the purpose and plan of his Father, in love. And it's that love which is then poured out into our hearts in and through and by the Holy Spirit, who is, if you like, the personification of God's love, the manifestation of God's love, in our hearts, which gives substance to salvation. And my salvation, if it means anything at all, means being integrated into the love life of God. You see, becoming part of the love of the Father for the Son and the love of the Son for the Father because it's in that context that the Holy Spirit has united me with God. And this is what everything we do in the church, for example, manifests. I mean, every time we take communion, every time we, 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 we look at that bread and that cup, we are looking at the love of God. We are, remember, we are remembering and we are taking into ourselves the meaning of that love. The body which was broken for us, the blood which was poured out in love, of the Son for the Father manifested in the sacrifice which he made for us and then made available to us so that we can participate through it in him. And this is really what our, this is the mechanics if you like, this is the way our salvation works. 
Now, it's when we, can, we, we start to realize this, that questions about things like the foreknowledge of God, the providence of God, predestination, all this sort of thing, begin to make sense. Because we are not talking about some kind of, of cold, rational, analytical calculation. We're not saying, well, you know, God has saved X number of people and he's done it, you know, in, in this particular way and uh, we, we do the calculations so that, you know, we, 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 we say to ourselves, well, you know, I've, I've repented, I've, I've done this, I've done that, and so God will sort of give me the benefit of this and, you know, the kind of transaction uh, and I'll get enough grace or whatever it is to sort of go on to the next time and then we'll do it again and, uh, and, and go on and you keep a kind of notebook, um, you know, according to, to whether you've done the right thing or the wrong thing um, and it's all kind of measured out like this. Because love, by its nature, knows no limit. And this can be quite scary. It's quite scary in human life. I mean, we all know that there are some children only a mother can love, as we say, you know. And you say to yourself, how on earth is this possible? Um, but love is something that defies reason. Uh, you see it when, when people fall in love. And especially those of you who are parents of children who have done this know, of course, what this is like because why is it so many children have a way of falling in love with people you wish they really had never met? let alone fall in love with, you know. And you, you see this kind of thing going on. And um, I mean, the number of cases where family and friends try to prevent it because they think this is a complete disaster and how, you know, how could this ever happen? Um, and because love is beyond explanation, you know. Uh, I mean, if it's, if it's true love, it will survive. Uh, and you won't be able to, to stop it. You won't be able to... to rationalize it and say, well, you know, you really shouldn't fall in love with this kind of person, um, you know, because, you know, this man is, he's got no money. I mean, why fall in love with somebody that has no money? Uh, he, has, he has no prospects, you know, he's never going to get a decent job. How could you possibly fall in love with that? Um, uh, or you see on the woman's side, the number of women who put up with husbands who, frankly, ought to be in jail. I mean, they abuse their wives, they, you know, they do all kinds of terrible things, and then, sadly, and it is very, very sad, you often hear, only ever hear about it when finally the whole thing cracks and the, the, the woman leaves her husband after years of, of, of torture and abuse, you know, 
and it only comes out at that point. You see, you know, and 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 she'll say, well, I tried and I tried and I tried, and you know, I wanted to keep going, and I just want, you know, I just didn't want to leave and all the rest of it. And you, the outsider, listening to this, think, oh my goodness, how could you have done that? You know, how could you have put up with that for so long? And then you realize that there's something there. You see, there's a love relation. There's something in about love that will tolerate abuse, that will put up with abuse. Illogical, and if you might say even wrong, though it is, in one way. But I look at this and I suddenly think, well, this is what God puts up with, with us. Because we're abusing him all the time. We abuse him just by existing, you know, by, by being sinful to start off with. We, we, we are, you know, we are enemies by nature of, of, his, of, of him, of his love. And yet he puts up with this. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one week or semester length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.